Okay, so we'll continue our tour of Colossians, and I use the word tour very much on purpose. If you remember the illustration we used last week was, um, if you ever go to a big city, uh, I went to New York a couple years ago, and it was really cool because we spent time on the ground walking around, but then after we were there for a couple days, we went up in a helicopter and went around about a thousand feet up, and they had the doors open, and we could take pictures, and, and if you really want to understand the landscape and understand how things move, and New York City is not a good example because there's not much landscape, it's all concrete, but you know, if you want to really understand is you, is you have to get an elevated look, and then, and then it really kind of makes sense. But then you also have to spend time on the ground, right? You can't just fly around at 10,000 feet, right? And, and so we have to spend time with our feet on the ground, walking the streets and getting to know it. And as we're walking, we're looking around and we're saying, okay, I understand more and more. And then there's times, if you really want to get to know a city, that you sit down, you don't go anywhere, and you sit down and you, and you kind of dig in and you start to dig into the culture um, and, you, and you really spend some, some time and a little bit of effort trying to really dig in what makes this place tick, right? And so this morning, we're going uh, to land the helicopter, we're going to get out, and I hope you brought a shovel because we're going to dig in for a minute, okay? And I purposefully said it takes a little time and a little bit of effort, okay? Um, but I promise we're going somewhere with this, okay? And so let's just start in uh, Colossians chapter 1, uh, start in verse 15, we're pretty much moving through this thing chronologically, um, and we've kind of we've kind of taken some grand pictures and some up close pictures. Um, today, I want to try to get through uh, verse twenty three, verse fifteen to verse twenty three. We'll see what happens. Uh, we're about to read a bunch of verses, and you we could spend like a year on this one section. And I'm going to read over some things, and you're going to think, "Hey, you're missing the point. You you missed this. You missed this." Um, but just stay with me on this, okay? So this is verse 15, and also remember, uh, this is in light of the false teaching that had come upon, come upon this church. Remember, this was a young church. This was a church plant, and false teachers had started to come in, and slowly over time, that's the way heresy works, is something was introduced that it's not that someone stood up and said, I am God, everybody worship me. It's not that black and white. The way false teaching is, is it's a slow fade, and it's these, it's these tiny things that they, they kind of sound biblical, but they're really not, but they become socially acceptable. And because everybody looks around and says, oh, everyone's okay with this? Okay, and slowly over time, that's why false teaching uh, leads to such a destruction over time is because it's a slow fade over years and years and years. And the reason that we always want to emphasize Theology and doctrine is because what you believe will uh, affect your life, okay? What you believe about Jesus will affect your Monday to Saturday. It really should, okay? And, and we kind of do some reverse engineering in that if we say we believe this about Jesus, but it actually has no effect on my life, then we really need to be asking the question, and this isn't meant to scare anyone, we really need to ask the question, do I actually believe this? Okay, If this belief, and, and the, the New Testament idea of to believe means to trust in for salvation. To believe in Jesus means I trust in Him as the Messiah, as the Christ, for my salvation. To believe in Jesus does not mean that I, I know that He's God, does not believe that, that I know, and see how I'm pointing to my head, does not mean that I can say, yes, Jesus died on the, on the cross, Yes, he's the son of God. Because even demons believe that. Y'all know that, right? 
And so belief in Jesus is not, I believe Jesus died on the cross, I believe he's the son of God, and I believe that one day he's going to rule the, uh, uh, the entire universe on an earthly physical throne. Even demons say all that. Belief in Jesus is to say, I trust in what he says, in who he is, for my salvation. That's what belief is. It's a Greek word, that, that's what it means, to trust in for salvation. And so, this is why he's correcting this teaching. And you remember the teaching was, we, we threw the word Gnosticism out there, which means that they, uh, they believe that, that salvation came through secret knowledge. It wasn't about the heart, it was about secret knowledge that the Lord gave to a certain few. And they also believed, another thing they emphasized was that the spiritual and the physical worlds were at ends with one another, that everything spiritual was super holy and super good, and everything physical was evil. And so their conclusion was, therefore Jesus, since he was, they believed that he came from uh, God, but they said he, he wasn't a physical, literal person because everything physical is bad, Okay. Um, and so what we'll see here is that we have to even, even as the church, we have to be careful. At times we need to connect those two things, okay? That this is, man, this has been such a challenge for Russell is that there's this super spiritual Russell that can quote the Bible on, and you, you meet him on Sunday morning around, uh, 1035 AM and, um, he always dresses fairly nice. This is nice for me. Be nice, okay? And his hair's always done, and he's always happy to be there, and there's this spiritual Russell that all he talks about is Jesus in the Bible, and all he listens to is Chris Tomlin, and, right? And, it, and, and just to be careful that, and, and this is the challenge for me, not for y'all, that there's also a Monday morning Russell, okay? And, and Russell has to be careful that he doesn't separate those two right? That this, that this thing that I'm, this truth that I'm alive and that I'm, that, that I am a Christian and that I'm a believer can not just be a Sunday morning thing, right? That there has to be a Monday to Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m., that there's a spiritual aspect to me working, right? And if I'm not careful, my job becomes about my job. Are y'all following me on that? If I'm not careful, I separate those two worlds, and my job, my eight to five, this isn't my full-time job. I, I swing a hammer throughout the week. If I'm not careful, me swinging a hammer becomes about me making dollars and cents, right? And, and do you see how even today we, with anyone else, anyone else, you, you just give me a little hand up. Anyone? Yeah. Okay. A little, I saw a couple very tiny ones, okay? But if we're not careful, we can view ourselves as, well, here's, here's spiritual, my spiritual life. Well, this is my secular life. And we even use terms like secular job, you know, whatever that means. And this is why in, even in here, we constantly, I always ask the question and remind you that, remember, guys, we're in full-time ministry. When you hear full-time ministry, don't think the full-time pastor and the worship guy. Full-time ministry is if we're a believer Every minute of every day we're in ministry. Everything we do preaches, right? When I'm at work, when I'm swinging a hammer, if, if the thing that's known about me, and again, this is really challenging, is if I'm just a jerk, if I care more about progress than people, if you find that Russell's just really impatient, there's, that should be a red flag for Russell. Are you all following me on this? And this is part of what they were teaching, was that the physical and the spiritual should remain separate, Okay. And so all that to say, look at chapter 15, no, chapter 1, verse 15. And so listen to Paul's response. He's getting into some theology here. 
He says, he is the image. Who's he? Jesus. Good. We got that fast. Okay, sometimes we're not quite sure. Okay, I know, yeah. He, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. What you're going to see is Paul is emphasizing the physical nature of Jesus, if you just listen to his words. Uh, for, uh, verse 16, For by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things were created by him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. So Colossians, when you read it, it's about Jesus being about the head of the church. The, the kind of sister letter that goes along with this is Ephesians, written at the same time. Ephesians is about the church. It's about the body. Colossians is about the head, about Jesus. Okay? He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile. That's an important word. You may underline it. To reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven. You notice what he did there. He said he's reconciling what? All things. And what does Paul do? He says what? Things in heaven, but also what? Things on earth. And so Paul, you'll see him making that connection between the spiritual and the physical, okay? Um, By making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Verse 21, once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled, there's that word again, reconciled you by Christ's physical body, Do you see what Paul's doing here? Why is he emphasizing his physical body? Well, he's combating this false teaching. Uh, Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight, without blemish, and free from accusation. Verse 23. We're about to go in some very difficult waters. Are you all with me? This is where we're going to dig in. I told you it was going to take some effort. Don't look at me like you're surprised. I told you this is going to take a little bit of effort. Are you all with me? We're going to dig in. Are you ready? Okay, so look, uh, let me back up a little bit. He has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. That's great. Verse 23, what's the first word? If, uh uh-oh, if you continue in your faith. Okay, are y'all following where this is getting difficult? If you continue in your faith, established and firm, not moved from the hope held out in the gospel. This is the gospel that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. So so here's the difficult text. Get ready to dig in. What you can see here is that Paul says, hey, he has reconciled you in order to present you holy. And then he says this, if you continue in your faith. Y'all see the difficulty here, okay? And again, we're going to get into a little bit of deep theology. It's okay. Maybe you've never been in the deep end of the pool. There's floaties, and there's others of us to help you. You won't drown, okay? But what you'll see here is Paul says he's reconciled you and to present you holy if you continue in the faith. So I'll just 
say what needs to be said. Does the Bible teach that you can lose your salvation here? Do you see that? Paul clearly says, if, if you, if you continue doing what you're doing, then, now this is what it appears to say, then you will be reconciled and, and appear holy and blameless before the Lord. Are we all on that same page so far? Okay, so there's a couple things I want to point out here. Um, first of all, uh, look at verse, uh, start in verse 21. We're going to kind of dissect this a little bit. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. Everything in that is, is a past tense um, that's happened. Verse 22, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death. Okay, so pause right there. That is, uh, now listen, I'm, I'm not a Greek guy, I'm more of a Hebrew guy, but I know enough to know that, you remember the Colossians was written in Greek originally, and in, in English we only have past, present, future. In Greek they have a lot more than that. that the, the phrase right there, he has reconciled you, by Christ's physical body, that is in a, <laughs> you don't have to write this down, you can impress your friends if you want, that's in an aurorist tense indicative mood. What that means is it is a past event that has happened. Paul viewed the Colossians as having been completely reconciled, okay? So that's something that's a one and done on the cross. Look at right after the word death, by Christ's physical body through death, the next phrase, to present you holy in his sight okay the phrase to present you i told you we're going to dig in for a second the phrase to present you is not in that same mood it is in an aurorist infinitive active mood what that means the phrase to present you that is about a momentary action that is continual and ongoing okay let me pause there and repeat the phrase, he has reconciled you, that's a one time, done for all time. To present you is a continual action that's continuing to go on. Okay, So this is what Paul is teaching and um, encouraging uh, the, the church at Colossae. He's reminding them, don't forget, you have been completely reconciled to Jesus Christ. The, the word uh, the reconciled, it, means, it really means two things. It means one, that you've been redeemed, and one, that means that you've been forgiven. Okay, Redeemed deals with the root. Forgiven deals with the fruit. It rhymes, so it has to be true, you see. That's how it works. To be redeemed means it deals with the root. It deals with your nature. And to be forgiven deals with the fruit. That deals with your sin. And so when, when it says you've been reconciled to God, it means those two things, that you've been redeemed from your dead nature and you've been reborn into Christ. Okay? You remember, the thing that makes you um, a Christian is not that you act like a Christian. This is a, a stupid illustration, and I hope you're tired of me saying it. If I stood up here and I swung from a tree and I was covered in fur and I ate a banana... What am I? I'm not a monkey. What I say? Thank you. I'm Russell. I'm, now listen, I'm acting like a monkey. And this is important theology right here. What is it that makes me me? I was born a human, right? I can behave any way I want to, right? 
Uh, and the same thing is true of, of believers is I can behave like a monkey. I can behave like this, like that. What is it that makes me me? It's your nature. This is what it means to be redeemed. You remember we said redeemed deals with the root. Your root is that your nature is that you're born this. You're born that. And what the gospel says is that you were born separated from God. That we were all born to be something. And that's why the gospel says, and, and please, if you don't hear anything else, hear this. The gospel of Jesus Christ is not that Jesus takes bad people and makes them good. It's not that he, he takes okay people and makes them Christians. It's, it's that he takes dead people and makes them alive. Okay? He takes death to life. We have to get that right. It means that we die to ourselves and we're reborn into Christ. We're reborn, meaning we have a new nature. Okay. Likewise, if I had a monkey up here who had on a suit and a tie and carried a briefcase, what is he? No one make any lawyer jokes because we got one here. Okay. What is he? He's a monkey. He can act like a person, but it's his birth. Okay. And that's why we're always about... Don't forget, we have to be reborn into Christ. The term born-again Christian, you've heard that so many times. It's a very Baptist term, but it's a very biblical term, right? We have to be born again. And so, notice, sorry, back to Colossians. What Paul says here, he's using this word reconcile, which it means that you've been redeemed. It means that you've been born again. Reconcile deals with the root. And it also means you've been forgiven, which that deals with the fruit. Which that means that you've been forgiven of all sin, all sin, past, present, future. Hebrews says, for by one sacrifice he's made perfect forever those who are being made holy. For by one sacrifice he's made perfect forever. And so to be reconciled, guys, you've been redeemed and you have been forgiven. And so some of y'all, maybe this is all you need to hear, is you, if you've been reconciled to God, you've been forgiven. And sometimes we need to pray that we can just forgive ourselves. Sometimes that's, that's the biggest miracle. And so um, here's, here's where I want to do something I've never seen done. I want to stop right here and I want to pray. And this is what I want to pray for. Is this, is this is what can be the greatest miracle. My guess is that there's people in this room that you know. You know. You know that you've been forgiven. But you can't forgive yourself. My guess is there's people in this room that there's something in your heart that you're holding on to and, and you just, you can't forgive yourself. And so I'm going to pray right now. Please join me in prayer and then we'll continue studying Colossians. Father, um, we come before you very purposefully, intently. God, um, we ask right now, every person in here, Lord, reveal to us the areas, God, that we, we can't, for some reason or one reason or another, we can't let go. And we cannot forgive ourselves. And Lord, help us to know and to, to believe and to live out, God, that, that we have been forgiven and that we can walk in freedom. And there's no guilt and there's no shame. Lord, I know personally there are things in my life that I get triggered by and I just feel such guilt and I feel such shame and you don't want that for us. And so church, right now, maybe this is the first time you've prayed to the Lord all week. Maybe it's the first time all month. Church, will you just for a minute ask the Lord to reveal to you where you haven't forgiven yourself, if anywhere, and that He would uh, give you the faith to just 
rest and just take a breath and to know and to believe that you've been forgiven. And God, we ask this just because we want to set captives free. That's what we want to be about, God. We want to set captives free. And so we're asking this in your name, Lord. Amen. Okay, so let's um, continue here. Um, okay, and now and look back at verse 22. He has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you. Now, this is something we need to work on. This is where you can really see the heart of Paul for this church. To present you, and we said the phrase to present you in Greek, that's in a tense that is a continual ongoing. It's, it's something that um, is kind of a daily presentation. And look, he wants to present you holy in his sight, without blemish, and free from accusation. That phrase to present you, I told you we're going to dig in real deep this morning. That phrase appears 17 times in the New Testament. Every single time, except one, it's questionable. It always indicates something that's happening presently. Okay, It indicates to pre- presenting uh, the, the saints before God right now, at this moment. It does not indicate that you've been uh, saved or that you've been reborn in Christ. It has everything to do with a, a, um, uh, a fellowship that's happening at that moment. Okay, So I'm going to read a couple other verses that say those same words to present you. Um, 2 Corinthians 8.21 says, For we're taking pains to do what is right, not only in the eyes, that's that same phrase, to present you, of the Lord, but also in the eyes of men. So that presentation has to do with right now, pre- presenting to the Lord. Uh, Galatians 1.20 says, I assure you before God that what I am writing to you is no lie. That's that same phrase. First uh, Timothy 6.13, in the sight of God who gives life to everything and of Christ Jesus who will testify before who while testifying before Pontius Pilate made the good confession I charge you to keep this command without spot or blame second Timothy he says keep reminding them of these things warn them before God against quarreling about words okay and so the point is is this presentation that phrase to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation, this presentation is about their current progress uh, before the Lord, not about their eternal position. So that's why if you look at verse 23, look what it says. If you continue. That phrase, if you continue, is not about being reconciled to God. That phrase, if you continue, is about being presented holy before God. Do you see the difference? Because that's huge. Because if, if we get this wrong, we're all going to hell. <laughs> Just let me say it, right? That, that phrase, if you continue, that means if you're daily uh, maturing and growing in your faith, then, then you will be presented before the Lord holy and blameless on a day-to-day basis. Do you all see the difference there? It does not affect being reconciled. I don't know if you all are thinking or thinking about lunch or what, but I'm getting nothing out of you all. Are y'all following me on this? Because this is so important, guys. Because people use this very verse to say, look, if you continue, and they say, this means you can lose your salvation. No, it does not. No, it does not. When you really dig in. Because Paul, and this is why we can say this, look at the entire letter of Colossians. Is Paul concerned about the salvation, about the, the, 
Colossians being reconciled is his concern of, ah, I don't know if they're really saved or not. I'm not sure. Is that his concern? No. When you study, I mean, you can see, you remember the first couple weeks, the things he said? I mean, he says, hey, I've heard of your faith in the Lord. I've heard of this. Um, oh, where'd it go in my notes? In chapter two, he says, as you therefore have received Jesus Christ, so walk in him. So the question, is this about him being concerned of their being reconciled? Well, no, that's not why he wrote this entire letter. Uh, is this whole letter about evangelism? Is this whole letter about Paul saying, hey, I need to make sure um, that, you, that you even knew what you signed up for when you became a Christian? No. He's constantly affirming um, who they are. Um, is this whole letter about teaching them something new? No. They clearly have a solid foundation. Here's Paul's concern. And this is what I started, said at the very, very beginning. Here's Paul's concern. Is he wants to see the believers grow in their faith. He wants to continually see captives set free. There's that phrase. Okay? He wants to continually see these Christians to, be, to walk more and more in freedom and growth and maturity. That's the entire concern of his letter. Um, Paul was not just about seeing people saved from hell. But he, wanted the, uh, he had the Lord's desire for everyone to grow into Christ likeness uh, he was expecting jesus to return at any time and he wanted the church to be ready so look at i mean here uh, look at chapter one look at verse 28 here's the heart of paul verse 28 he says we proclaim him admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we what's the word right there may present again that that presenting doesn't have to do with being reconciled. That presenting has to do with right now, am I walking in freedom? Am I walking in maturity? Look, that we may present everyone perfect in Christ. That word perfect means whole and complete, mature. Verse 29, to this end, I labor, struggling with all Energy, all, uh, to this end, I labor struggling with all his energy, which so powerfully works in me. So don't miss. This is what Paul says. He says, this is what I'm about. He's not just about saving people from hell. Okay? Jesus is not just about fire insurance. It's not just about getting people to say the sinner's prayer, which isn't in the Bible anywhere. <laughs> right? It's about growing in discipleship. This is the heart of Paul. He says, this is what I'm about. And so this is why as a church, this, our mission statement is we want to share our lives. Why? To make disciples of Jesus Christ. And why? To set captives free. Okay? And so we see the heart of Paul is about growing in uh, faith. His, the heart of Paul is about not just letting believers say a sinner's prayer and then it's, okay, just show up and, and sit on a pew and don't do, don't do anything past that, okay? And so um, I'm not picking on any, any church here, but I don't know if you've ever been a part of a church that if you ask the question, what's the difference between a long-term attender and a member, okay? And for many churches, the answer is nothing, right? That someone can just visit and visit and visit and visit 
and, and then I don't know if you've ever been in the situation, and then you say, I want to become a member, I want to jump in all the way, and they, they say, great, and then after that, nothing happens. You just keep visiting and keep visiting and keep visiting, right? And so what we want to be about when we talk about being about uh, disciples, about discipleship, is there's so much more than just saying the sinner's prayer and then just show up and sit. Man, this is why, uh, this is my opinion. You, so when it's my opinion, feel free to disagree with me. Just be nice about it. I'm sensitive. Uh, this is why the church is losing men, honestly. Because for most people, for most believers, what does it mean to be a church member? It means what? I show up, and I, if I'm a really good Christian, I give a little bit of money, and then that's what I do until now, until when I die. Is that freedom? Is that life, right? There's, there's very little emphasis on maturity, very little emphasis on growing in our faith. There's very little emphasis on iron sharpening iron. There's very little emphasis on holding one another accountable. There's very little emphasis on when you become a church member, when you become a part of the body of Christ, you're a part of us, and what you do affects me, right? And so when I see you walking in, in um, disobedience, when I see you walking unrepentant away from the Lord, man, that affects me. And I have a heart for you. And just like Paul had the heart for Colossians, he did not watch them stray over time and say, well, they're, they're going to heaven and they look like they're having a good time. Don't miss that. They look like they're having fun. I don't want no, he said, no, guys, I want you all to grow in your faith and I want you to walk in freedom. And where you're heading right now is not complete freedom. And so anyways, this is why um, we always want to be about uh, sharpening one another. Uh, we always want to be about... Uh, and and, and holding each other accountable for certain things and that right that's what church membership is that's what it's going that's what it should be about is that man when i see you straying it affects me it's going to affect and and what i do is going to affect you and so um if you have uh if you're still with me flip over to second corinthians look real quick don't go far second corinthians chapter five it's only that far in my bible about 15 pages. It's on page 1,137. <laughs> Sorry. I shouldn't be allowed to talk. Okay, so this is um, start in chapter 5 because I want to talk about just for a few minutes um, about that setting captives free, what that means, what that looks like because it's so much more than saving people from hell. Um, we, we obviously want to be about evangelism, but we want to be about discipleship. And church, don't forget we have this mission of reconciliation. Second uh, Corinthians chapter 5, um, start in verse 14. Verse 14. For Christ's love compels us, because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. Again, the gospel to die to ourselves and be reborn in Christ. Verse 15, And He died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for Him who died for them and was raised again. Verse 16, So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. 
Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Um, pause there real quick for one second. That's been really challenging for me is this idea of to not regard anyone from a worldly point of view. Is, is church, please remember, we live in a broken world. Okay, um, People are hurting. People are hurting. And uh, the world is not Christian. It's not. It's not. And when the world behaves in a way that is um, selfish, when the world behaves in a way that is self-seeking, as believers, we can't, we can't be surprised. Why? Because they're behaving the way they're born to. Right? It's in their nature. If someone is not reconciled to God, if someone isn't redeemed by their nature, who is their God? They are. And they're going to do everything they can uh, to promote themselves right have you ever seen um it's not a it's not a funny story but like the the where guys will get like grizzly bears or something and they'll become friends with them have you all ever seen this and and you see what happens over time sometimes sometimes it doesn't is that bear turns and looks at the guy one day and he doesn't see the guy he says hey a chicken nugget and he just eats him like you know sorry i shouldn't have made a joke i said it's not funny but have you all ever seen this now, now listen, and, and, and I mean this, and I, and I don't want to be insensitive. When that happens, can we really look and say, oh my gosh, I'm so shocked. I can't believe that happened. No, why? Because it's in that bear's nature to devour. It's in that bear's nature to kill and eat. And, and, so, and so again, church, when we look at the world and the world treats us poorly, when the world behaves selfishly, self-seeking, hear me say this, guys, that's in their nature. As a church, we can't lose our minds, right? Do you watch the news? Do you know everything that's going on? It's a mess out there. Like, it's a mess, right? And one of the promises of Jesus, he says, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. And so Christians, I'm not, I'm not saying bury our heads in the sand, but I am saying we can't lose our minds when an unredeemed, unreconciled world behaves in an unredeemed, unreconciled way. Are you all with me on that? And so that's why when it says we regard no one from a worldly point of view, man, this is so easy. Um, uh, a couple months ago, I was, at, I was at Lowe's or somewhere, it doesn't matter, and there's, I was returning something, and there's a long line, and I finally wake my way to the front. And listen, I'm not, I'm not like a rude person, but I'm not like, hey, yo, what's up? You know, I'm not that guy, and, but, but I always want to be kind. I'm always kind, because I've worked retail, and I've worked, uh, I've waited tables. I think everyone should do that. I think we should have mandatory military, mandatory retail, mandatory wait staff. That should be, the, but I'm not in charge. And so anytime I get up there, and, and I'm, I'm very kind, I really am, and I, and I have something to return, and the lady, she's at the end of her wits, and um, you know, she's like, well, do you have the receipt? And I was like, no, I have the credit card, which is okay, and I swipe the credit card, and it doesn't go through, and I was like, oh, it must be this other credit card. And listen, I'm not one to exaggerate, I'm really not. You know how some people, every story they tell, they're like, literally this happened, and you're like, you literally can't use the word literally every time, or else it literally makes no sense. But I'm, I promise you, I'm not one to exaggerate. And I mean, when I said, oh, I'm sorry, it's this other card. Dude, she gave me the, the look. And the, it was both, she looked at me and the eye roll and just, <sighs> she did that right there, right? And, and there was an instinctive, 
bam, I mean in a half a second, wham, I thought, okay. I thought, it's so, it's so funny how much can go through your mind in, in a split second. In that split second, I put on my gloves. You know what I mean? And my boxing gloves. And I was warming up. And I was ready. And I thought, okay. And I thought, we're going to do this, Carol, or whatever. And, 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 it, and I'm telling you, and, and this is how I know that the Lord still works in miraculous. It was as if God just put his hand on my shoulder. And, and, for that, and all this happened in about a third of a second. And I was able to look at her, and originally I looked at her in a worldly point of view, and I said, okay, you want to you wanna swap punches? Let's do this. And in a split second, God, he just worked through me, and he looked, and I said, she's just hurting. She's just hurting. And I, and I looked at her, and I said, and this is miraculous. I looked at her, and I, this is it. This is all I did, guys. I go, hey, is everything okay? And I'm telling you, you want to see miracles on earth? The entire situation diffused. And it was an, like the air, the temperature in the room changed. And there was a moment of just peace. And what the, it could have been, man, it was, it was fire and gasoline. But at that moment, I'm telling you, it was just God just said, hey, Russell, for once, don't act like yourself. And I said, hey, is everything okay? And her response was, yeah, I'm just, I'm just tired. And it was a moment of reconciliation. To reconcile means to bring back that, remember, the world is broken, and to reconcile means, hey, let's, let's heal this for a second. You want to see miracles happen on earth is to just be reconcilers. And, and I looked at Karen. I don't know if Karen was her name. And God allowed me to see, not from a worldly point of view, but to see her. This lady's just hurting. She's just hurting. And she has to deal with all these other people. She has to deal with people like me, you know. Um, and it, it was a really cool moment. Anyways, keep going. Sorry. Uh, verse 16, so from now on we regard no one from a worldly point of view, though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, this needs to be highlighted, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new, what's that word? Creation. It doesn't say he's a good person, new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ. You remember reconciled means we're redeemed and forgiven. Redeemed deals with the root. That went way better in my head. <laughs> redeemed deals with the root. Forgiveness deals with the fruit. And so he says we've been reconciled. God who reconciled us to himself through Christ. And look at this. Gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to Himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And He has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making His appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made Him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in Him, we might become the righteousness of God. So this is the last thing um, I'll say. And this is Paul, again, writing in Corinthians. He's, what he's telling the church is, dear church, this ministry of reconciliation, of, of, of uh, mending what has been broken, he says, this belongs to who? You. This is the heart of Paul. We see him teaching the church in Colossae. He wants them to be reconciled in their day-to-day. And then in other places, he's constantly saying, don't forget church, and let this be me speaking to us. This ministry of reconciliation has been given to us.
It sounds like a big task, doesn't it? That's a big word. Okay, I have to remember redeemed and root and fruit and all that stupid stuff. No, you don't. The ministry of reconciliation is this. is when the Holy Spirit taps you on the shoulder that you don't look at someone from a worldly point of view, but in that second, you're able to look at them and take a breath. And in, in my example, is this is the ministry of reconciliation. is going, hey, is everything okay? Right? Do you see that? And in relationship after relationship after relationship, that wherever the relationship is that in your life that there's tension, please, please, dear Christian, don't run from that. Please, this is the this is a cool thing about uh, being bold before the Lord is that the God the God is that God allows us and encourages us to walk head first that relationship that everyone's thinking of that you're saying uh, this is difficult it needs to be redeemed it needs to be reconciled that God calls us to walk head first into the fire like Rack Shack and Benny Shadrach Meshach and Abednego right that He calls us to walk head first and that the world looks remember they walked into the fiery furnace and that the world looks and says that's going to explode in your face and god says you're not even going to get burned and that he's called us i'm calling everybody here out on those relationships man the gospel's about relationships wherever it is whoever it is is to walk head first into it and you have the message of reconciliation and you don't go in with your gloves on but you go in and you look at that person, not from a worldly point of view, but you go in and, and you say, hey, I, I want to help w- with this situation. I feel like there's some tension between us. And I feel like we can work it out. That's the message of reconciliation uh, that he's given to us as the church. Um, and then after verse 21, so I'll read a few more and then we'll be done. Chapter 6, verse 1, as God's fellow workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain, for he says, In the time of my favor, I heard you, and in the day of salvation, I helped you. I tell you, this is the last thing I'll read, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. And so church, please have a sense of urgency, not panic, not panic, but a sense of, hey, let's get this taken care of. I'll say two things. One, and, and I think you know my heart. If you don't know my heart, this sounds like I'm, I'm trying to scare people or it sounds like I'm trying to manipulate. But if you know my heart, this will make sense. If you don't know my heart, come up after and I'll explain it to you. But don't forget these two things. And again, this out of context, this sounds terrible. Number one, people are going to hell. People are going to hell. We need to have a sense of urgency. Today's the day of salvation. And, and number two, there are people in this room in your family, in your work, that when they go home, they're going home to a living hell. Right? And Jesus said, I've come to set the captives free. Okay? And so it's more than just getting people out of hell. But it's getting people to walk in maturity, getting believers to walk in um, freedom. To walk in freedom. We have that message of reconciliation. Not the message, the ministry. That's the word Paul uses. We have the ministry of reconciliation. Don't be scared. It's as simple as God's going to tap you on the shoulder and He's going to say, hey, I don't want you to view this person from a worldly point of view. Right? And so um, this is how the gospel spreads, is through relationships, through reconciling, through the church. 
Remember, in Ephesians, Paul says, anything God's going to do, He's going to do it what? Through His church. Through His church. That's what he says. That's the hands and feet of Jesus. And, and last thing, don't separate the spiritual from the physical. The world needs to be aware of the physical presence of the church. We say a lot, if Jesus were here on earth today, He is, guys. And, and I'm not trying to be super spiritual, but He is. He's here on earth today. He's in His church. He's in us. We're His hands, His feet. He's given us the ministry of reconciliation. Um, that's it. Let me pray. I'm going to pray for our hearts. God, I pray... Um, Lord, again, for us personally, show us in our hearts where we need to be reconciled. That, that, Lord, that we would be presented. That's the word Paul uses. That we would be presented mature and in uh, <clears throat> walking in freedom. Um, and that we wouldn't spend our lives just worrying about sin management and religious tasks. But that we'd have freedom and that we'd be people of joy and God, that you would set captives free, that you would break chains, Lord. And then we also pray for this week, God, you've given us the ministry of reconciliation. You have. I pray that we wouldn't overthink it. I pray that we just say yes, and whatever it is, whatever the tiny, tiny thing is you ask us to do, God, I pray that we would just say yes, and that we would just do it. There's just incredible freedom in that. And so... Um, Give us the courage uh, to love one another. Give us the courage to be authentic with one another. God, please give us uh, the courage to disciple one another and give us the courage to share our lives with one another um, that we'd make disciples and set captives free. That's our prayer, Lord. Amen.